When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, Maze, how about this Mandalorian? Yeah, so the Mandalorian premiere came out in this last week. The second episode is tomorrow. What were your thoughts, AC? Um, it was very interesting. I think the the most interesting thing about the story itself is that we don't know a lot about the main character, even though we, you know, we just see him. Pedro Pascal uh, plays him uh, in the entire episode. He has a mask on, so like, and obviously that's the whole Mandalorian. The idea of what the Mandalorian is is a warrior that wears the mask the entire time or whatever. But uh, the whole bounty hunter aspect of Star Wars was something that I've always found uh, fascinating because we've only seen like little. Uh, blips of it in the previous movies and and other other iterations of of Star Wars. So to kind of see that play out on the on this screen uh, was very cool. This pilot episode, it's, they kind of did it like in a straightforward type of way. There's no, no like context clues, even though there's just there are a couple of Easter eggs, but it just went. It was pretty straightforward and just some stuff that you saw that you noticed. Obviously the timeline. Uh, five years after Return of the Jedi, the Empire has fallen, yada yada, and such, such and such. But I thought it was pretty cool. It was, it looked very well done, very well shot. It just drops us in. There's no real context, like you said. Yeah. It doesn't tell us what planet we're on or mm-hmm. anything or anybody's name, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's just let's go, let's go, Star Wars. And I think they're banking on a huge fan base that already knows a decent amount. And so nobody really needs to be walked through this world. I mean, I was joking in the Discord, like, we'll need to have some Basil exposition at some point. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some character who's going to explain stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but for a pilot, it was super fun and lots of action. Like you said, he, he's never going to take that mask off. Or when he does, it'll be a big moment. So so I'm. this is what I, I – how deep is your, like, like info on star wars are you like a star wars head have you seen all the movies what's what's your what's i would with say that? that i am solid okay <laughs> there's i haven't read any of the novels i haven't really i tried to watch like the clone wars and rebels tv shows animated shows and i just mm-hmm. couldn't really hang because they were a little too kiddie yeah they are like moralistic they- in some ways there was some cool right. stuff but there's a lot of episodes that were kind of filler for that. Okay, so let me ask you this question because I think one of the big things, one of the big Easter eggs that came out of this first episode was the was was that uh, Boba Fett in the background when he was walking in there? Because 
I remember in obviously in Return of the Jedi, allegedly he dies, but then I, you know, did some digging and everybody has kind of said that he's not really dead per se. He just Because you can't kill off Boba Fett. He's too popular of a character. Yeah. Good job, Eden. <laughs> Yo, I Basically. used to be a Star Wars nerd. I've read the books, okay? Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. I was thinking that he's probably still alive. People can die and then they can undie. I was about to say, learned. no, that's none true. of these their deaths are permanent. Darth Maul got cut in half. He's still around. Still around. Apparently, <laughs> Emperor Palpatine is coming back for Episode Nine. That, I He's don't been understand. dead for a hundred million years or whatever I'm it's so been. Confused. So no, the dead, <sighs> no, nothing dead is really gone. What's dead may never actually die. There you go. Well, that line. <laughs> that's the oh, line yeah. I was fumbling around for. <laughs> last thing I'll say. Last thing I'll say on it is uh, shout out to to Baby Yoda showing up at the end. Fifty year old Baby Yoda. <laughs> Only fifty. <laughs> is this thing pre pre original world? It's or? after Return of the Jedi, but before okay. The Force Awakens. But there's only two options for this baby Yoda species, AC. Yoda is a deadbeat dad, <laughs> which is fascinating for his character. Because <laughs> this, this baby is 50 years old, so that puts him around the same age as Anakin Skywalker. Child support I will not give. Or... <laughs> He just doesn't give a fuck about his people, and he his sense of the universe is really diminished. What? Uh, <laughs> he didn't know that this baby was out here for 50 years? Oh, man. Yoda got some splaining to yeah, do. Yeah, he gets around. <laughs> it's just one of many. <laughs> All oh, over the man. galaxy. I can't wait to see the second and the third baby Yoda. Do you think he could, old. like... Jedi, some yeah, just some Jedi, some Yodas. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I mean, Jedi's could do everything and anything, right? Yeah, like it's all in the Force. I can let it go, but it won't necessarily go <laughs> the way. <laughs> can even have you it can make float them back out. Yeah, float oh. back out. <laughs> Swim oh back out. Swims away instead of swims towards. Yes. It, <laughs> what is happening? Get the That's best of both question. worlds. Oh, what? I mean, come on. You move time and space, but you can't. Can't move your sperm? Yeah. No, 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 and the media that he uses to control the world is television. the dings network a nuanced discussion about television that captures our imaginations i'm your host anthony mays and i'm joined by jake hoy eden lou and anthony canton the third 
This week we're purchasing local real estate and microwaving fetuses for Watchmen episode four. If you don't like my story, write your own. AC, you weren't with us last week, so I'll kick it to you first. Is there something from the last two episodes that's really stood out to you as a, a favorite moment? Listen, all I'm gonna say is I got one I just got one question and one thing I care about in this past two episodes. Who is Lube Man? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Lube Man! Who is Lube Man? I mean, goodness gracious. Million dollar question. That scene, that scene blew my mind. I was just, I was cracking up. It was too funny. Like, I, I thought I missed Lube. something. Yeah, like, I, I had like, to, like, rewind. <laughs> Regina King's reaction was mine. The fuck? Angela's oh. action, uh, uh, oh, reaction I can, was mine. I mean, it was a trippy, trippy scene there. But all I could think going into that was where what was she thinking (laughs) what is she doing like not even under the cover of night yeah that was middle of the day day. yeah knowing Mm -hmm. jean is on her tail i don't know sloppy unexpected sloppiness sloppy slippery slippery like lube man yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. That was he a crazy really scene. Slid, he slid in the sewer, and I'm just like, "What?" I've never seen that from a chase scene before. <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> oh man, that's perfectly valid. Thanks for cutting to the chase. I mean, that was uh, a standout <laughs> moment for sure. The internet is a flame. Who is Lube Man? <laughs> do you got any clues you got any ideas ac okay so one of my co-workers brought this up to me what if lube man is actually her partner in glass dude in glass yeah the, the dude, I, yeah that's that's i, I that's don't just think simplistic no yeah I, he that's already what has I one said. chrome outfit yeah <laughs> i know the other one would have to be like matt black or something we were gonna do that right like come on i thought it was the other fbi agent i thought that that had the similar build oh yeah super yeah. skinny yeah Peter, i could right? see that yeah that's a good that's a good guess dale pd we know that he has a fascination with superheroes he's more than a fan and he's yeah. very informed so he like has done the homework you know that he's out here the argument against him though is how would PD have an intimate knowledge of the sewers of Oklahoma mm-hmm. <laughs> as Lou Man indubitably does? <laughs> well, well, he didn't. It didn't presuppose that. It just presupposed that he could duck into any sewer mm. and disappear. But I, I, I think it's a stretch. I like it, but again, I think it's a stretch from a practical perspective. This is a classic example of we only have so many characters right now. So mm-hmm. it's either if out of the characters that we already know, I would lean towards PD. Otherwise, I hope it's someone new. I'm always hoping for new characters to get involved mm-hmm. in this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So we start with an amazing cold open with the Clarks. Yes. A humble mm-hmm. couple selling eggs on their farm. They're doing puzzles. They're going to bed. It's it's late at night. And Lady True arrives. She's a trillionaire building much more than just the Millennium Clock. She's been in Tulsa for about a year, but people don't see her too often. She pulls out an ornate elephant-themed hourglass and gives the Clarks three minutes of her time. Eden, the comparisons to White Rose cannot be ignored at this point. Yeah, totally. Mm. The obsession with time. 
The yeah. first meeting, putting somebody on the clock. Just the delivery of like sentences, like a bit cryptic, but every word is meaningful. Fantastic introduction to this character. Fortunately, for the next three minutes, you two are the most important people in the world. I want your house right now. What? This house. I want it. Oh, and also the 40 acres it sits on. It's not for sale. Right, I get it. It's been in your family for generations. Legacy is a big deal. What was I? Legacy. Legacy isn't in land, it's in blood. Passed to us from our ancestors and by us to our children. You two have no children, so when you die, your legacy dies with you. You'll be extinct. Well, hold on just a minute here. You don't have a minute, please don't interrupt. We're getting to the good stuff. I got rich making advanced pharma and biomedical tech. Among my holdings are thousands of clinics, one being Sooner Fertility Partners, right here in Tulsa. 10 years ago, you two went there and tried to get pregnant. What? But you did not get pregnant because when they harvested your eggs, Mrs. Clark, you were told they were non-viable. Know what I say to that? I say bullshit! Katie, John, I'm not here to offer you money for your land. I'm here to offer you legacy. I'm here to offer you a child. Get out of our house. Honey. No. <laughs> she comes here in the middle of the night and tells us she can just make us a baby after all. No. no. Leave right now. I'm so sorry. I think you misunderstood me. I'm not going to make you a baby. I already did. In a move similar to Adrian Veidt in the comic book, Lady True is not a comic book villain. She doesn't monologue. She's already made them a baby. She throws in $5 million as a kicker. And right after they accept the deal, an object crashes in from outer space and Lady True says, that is mine. Mm. Great open. That was a great, yeah, absolutely. That was just showing up with the baby. You already got a baby well made and ready. It was just like, oh, wow, tremendous. Yeah. And the trillionaires. Love the music. Oh, yeah, good music too. Uh, Islands in the Stream, written by Barry Gibb of Bee Gees fame. This show like, is just so well scored. All Many, mm -hmm. many egg references now. So many eggs. It's not even Easter eggs anymore. It's just straight up eggs. 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 And breaking <laughs> eggs. You know, like constantly breaking the eggs to make that omelet. So it was a funny open, disorienting, which the show does super well. I actually yeah. was wondering if we were going to get some resolution on the opening as we did with the joke. In the previous episode. Oh, um, right. But we didn't. Now, is it, was it ever, it was a boy that she gave them? I think the baby was a boy. And I think that the 
the woman says he has your eyes yeah okay yeah. okay the guy so said was to, the boy. guy said to the, the the father said to the mom ac did the clarks remind you of a couple from comic book culture and lore <laughs> that's a great that is a great point <laughs> shout out to the kents yeah <laughs> the clarks. i mean they weren't even shy about that illusion i know the whole farm and it's something crashing from space yeah, yeah that's yeah. pretty yeah that was a pretty good spot on uh reference there i don't know if it's just because the character that played lady true was in homecoming but i like felt homecoming vibes too Wait, who was she in Homecoming? That's a oh yeah. Like she was the the girl at the like the one that plays the secretary. That and oh and, my and god, she was yeah. in control of the oh, whole situation. Right. Oh, yeah, I love her. Yeah, she's oh, great. She's so I mean, I, I that's the beauty. Like I felt like I'd never seen her before, and you know how much yeah. I loved Homecoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the only reason I I mean I'm. I take notice of Asian actors yeah. a little bit more <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. Oh, carefully. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, right. Um, but it's that kind of beautiful anonymous acting when they, but she was so that character in homecoming. Yeah. And she's so completely this character. Well, yeah. That, right? well, that's why I was like, but the characters are, are similar in a way because it's like kind it's of mysterious and yeah. yeah, like very commanding. Yeah. Um, and it's just like more than meets the eye. Like, yeah. kind of feel yeah. so i was like yeah, i don't know if point. i just felt homecoming vibes because it was the same care like actress or like because uh-huh. because homecoming gave us that sort of eerie vibe too i feel when we we're watching it definitely like so. she was in control of everything and yeah the like there's like a little she, she, puppeteering she, going on she didn't have a ton of screen time in homecoming no though. not at no. all mostly very, just very at the little. very end was yeah. her big yeah. scene like but you yeah. felt that impact though at the end of that yeah. at the end of that season yeah. She's also the head of a huge corporation. Right. <laughs> which is homecoming vibes. This one she owns. Yes. Again, I don't know why I always blank on names. What's our guy's name who makes robot? Sam Eshmael. His influence on type yet again in, in this season here. I mean, I love the way they're doing the titles, you know, kind of physically including them in the scenes. But ever since he started doing that huge type in Mr. Robot, it's really had an impact. My biggest question from this opener is how long has Lady True been watching the Clarks? Mm. Can she see the future? Mm. And how did she know about the object that lands immediately? She puts everything on a timeline. So it, it, it kind of seemed like she had been preparing this for a while. Yeah. But also was on the clock because something had changed and the object that landed on the property it requires her. To, to get purchase this house yeah right, right. now yeah because what was it like 40 acres 40 acres yeah your yeah. house and the 40 acres it sits on 40 acres and a mule <laughs> that's probably not insignificant no. <laughs> in the world I mean, of red predations yeah no, it's got to be deliberate so we pick up with angela this is an angela heavy episode yes she returns to her bakery and cleans up she breaks down the wheelchair she hesitates before accidentally burning will's note we hear her voicemail in the background say, where we let Saigons be Saigons, which is the slogan of the bakery. So corny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a call from the cultural center. They have more DNA information. She reports a fake break-in before she breaks in herself. Classic moment where she bashes in the window with her elbow. She retrieves an encoded acorn from the touchscreen. 
explores her hologram family tree and meets her great-grandparents, Obi Williams and Ruth Robeson. Will's records don't exist, which is interesting because they definitely have everybody associated with Tulsa, but seem to have probably a lot more data too, but he is a question mark. Well, we should note that Robeson is probably named for Paul Robeson, which who is... was the legendary African-American musician and actor and activist. Very famous. And she's speaking to the child that is Will in an interesting way. <laughs> that was great. She's like 100 years from now. In an unexpected way, too. She didn't yeah, want anything my life. to do with him. Yeah, Drop a bomb, fuck it right? all up, and then leave. She definitely doesn't trust him. I mean, she no. sh- would you? <laughs> well, it's an interesting family dynamic situation, right? You, yeah. you think you'd be excited. Well, it's. I feel like it's one of those things where you Especially learn in this, this world about this thing from your past, about your family that you never knew before. So it's kind of like, well, I now I have to look into it, right? Uh-huh. Like I can't just like let this information sit, but it's like sort of a resentment in the fact that it's like you came into my life and like made it a point for me to find out something about you, but then now you just left and now I have to deal with this. Like, what is this? Like, I, I can understand that, you know, and like more, more importantly in this manner where he's talking about, I killed your chief and being uh, all cryptic. He, yeah, yeah. Like I strung him up, like, you know, go back to where you came from or that's not what right. he said, but it was like, you know, <laughs> learn about your show past. You, show <laughs> you where you came from. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. It's quite a bit different. Even. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> You're thinking of cavalry rhetoric there. <laughs> My bad. I got, I got confused. The South shall rise again. Shouts to wise. <laughs> she hears a crash that brings her out of her moment with the hologram child, and she syncs up with Lori at the end of last episode. Lori tells her that the car fell out of the sky and compliments her costume. Angela calls for a tow and recovers Will's pills from the glove compartment. This is the first time in the series where we've had the timelines behave in this way in an obvious fashion. So we don't know what timeline Adrian Veidt is on in terms of what we're seeing in Tulsa, Mm -hmm. right? Like we don't know if the scenes we've seen at the beginning are six months or a year or two years prior and that it's going to end up syncing up or what. But this was the first time I think in the show where something started and we felt like we were resuming only to learn Mm -hmm. that we'd actually backtrack in time. So all of the stuff we saw at the front end with Angela was happening prior to the end of last episode. And then they synced up. So that makes me think that that's a tell, especially in terms of the Vite storyline. Angela then goes to sleep in Topher's room because Cal is in bed with the little girls. Topher is awake. They discuss the events of the funeral. Angela admits to being scared, and Topher gives her a stuffed boobastus, which is a stuffed animal based on Adrian Vite's genetically engineered links that he has in the comic book. The next morning, they're making breakfast. Cracking more eggs, Jake. <laughs> Cracking those eggs. 
Cal tells Rosie and Emma that heaven is pretend and that Judd is nowhere, which Angela mm-hmm. kind of gives him shit for, but they keep it super real with these kids, as we know. Angela goes to see Wade in his bunker, bomb shelter in his backyard. It's just his developing room. <laughs> That's just his dark room? <laughs> <laughs> his dark room. His dark room. Exactly. Definitely dark. Yeah, just a little. Pretty legit ironclad dark room. It's squid proof. We know that. Yeah, squid proof, baby. He's developing (laughs) photos of the squids taken before they dissolve. Wade believes that they are from another dimension. 30 seconds of life. They spend it all dying. Angela wants Wade to ask his ex, character to be named later, to examine the pills. Mm -hmm. Also reveals the clan hood. And Wade says, importantly, you reckon he was cavalry. So here we are again. Are the clan and the cavalry related? Is that just what the general public believes? We have no way of knowing. I don't anymore, think it was right? clear. Like, because the way he asked, you think he was cavalry makes it seem like they are synonymous with each other or at well, least. It's interesting because maybe it's our own assumption that it's. a. I mean, the thing is, they showed us KKK at the outset in the traditional KKK oh, garb okay. on Black Wall Street. So. Correct. It looked to us like a. KKK regalia, but right. maybe he's maybe seen something. I feel like they've said clan though at some point. They have, Eden. I mean, the thing is though, what they differentiated for the cavalry with us was that the cavalry wear the Rorschach masks. Yes. Maybe the KKK has evolved into the cavalry, and that's just part yeah. of the narrative they haven't explained to us yet. Okay. This is the second episode in a row where a character says that they are the same. The last episode, it was the deputy director of the FBI saying it's just the clan with different masks. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. I'm just staunchly in the camp that this is a misdirect and that they are not one and the same. Gotcha. So this is my own personal theory, I guess, that I'm developing is that there actually might be a little bit of a rivalry between these two. It's valid, though. It's valid. Yeah. But the show is actively trying to tell us the opposite which is which is another clue but they're not telling us in a way that's factual based on anything but people's opinions yes it's just people talking about it exactly yeah so i think we have a big wade episode coming up next so we'll, we'll find out who his ex is we'll get to spend a little more time with him i think he's a fascinating character that's kind of existed on the margin so far and i've loved uh tim blake nelson's performance here Yes, and it was interesting. I think you're right. And and a tell on that front was he was completely unmasked in this episode. Yes. And this was the first time we engaged with him as the person who's not wearing the mask, right? We learned about his he's got an ex. We we got much more of a personal side of his life. He has a house. Wait, it's funny because at first I thought the bunker was his house. <laughs> yeah. And I was I like, well, that's cool. So <laughs> you know, like, he just lives in a bunker. That's safe as it gets. It, it, seems, it's very, it seems like very up his alley for him to live yeah, in a bunker. Totally. Especially after the yeah. white night. And Angela trusts him a tremendous amount. She's given him two very important pieces of evidence. And she knows that he will keep it safe for her from Agent Blake. Angela puts on her true face and goes to dispose of the evidence by dumping the wheelchair onto a train. (laughs) She's spotted by a skinny silver spandex wearing doofus known as Lube Man. Wait, is he actually known as Lube Man? Mm. That's what Red Scare calls him. As a joke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
no, no self-respecting superhero would call himself a Lube Man. <laughs> Nobody's ever seen Lube Man until now. First sighting of Lube Man, yes. This chase scene is just awesome. The music's awesome. So oh, the music Amazing. was so good during that scene. I was like, yo, I want to listen to this. Like, I want to listen to this on my run. <laughs> Did you take your salad dressing bottles with you, Eden, on the run? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. you needed to, had, to make you get away. Had some vinaigrette with a mix with oil. <laughs> some balsamic <laughs> I love how balsamic. I love how low tech that whole thing was. You know what I mean? Oh That's his only gear on the utility belt. Sunglasses. I know. Two uh, plastic squirters. <laughs> Frankly, that's all he needed. You should see the move where he squirts that in your eye and then throws a match at you. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so Angela is very frustrated by this, as anyone would be. <laughs> Her reaction was everything. The fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I would have said the same thing. <laughs> she bumps into Keen Jr. at Police HQ, who thanks her for saving his life. He says, if I wasn't there, it wouldn't have happened. And she agrees with him. And this goes into my dad's conspiracy theory that Keen was a little too quick to give himself up. Oh, yeah, he's up to something. They've showed him enough. Red Scare gives us the Lou Man nickname and explains that Lori is the new boss. Lori has found prints on Angela's car that belonged to William Reeves. She gives us a little info. He was a cop in New York City in the 40s and 50s, retired and fell off the map. The hooded justice clues just continue to pile up. It is really outrageous at this point. This puts him in the right location, doing the right type of job, and then, of course, he disappears completely for 50 years. <laughs> yeah, just wow. a casual 50 years. But Lori's closing in on the on the trail here. Do we want Angela to work with Lori? Do we want Angela to keep doing her own thing? I do, because they, they, they there's just something about them, and you saw a lot of that in episode three. Their chemistry is just off the charts amazing. Um I re like when they're on the screen together, it's really cool. Um, Angela's reaction at the end of episode three, when Lori's like kind of like dressing her down and basically like, basically like inferring that she knows that she's a vigilante, and uh, Angela's reaction going, "Oh, the fake, the fake, oh, oh yeah, that was so good. That oh, was no. so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that was so amazing. So I think, I think overall, the the." They're great together. I want to see them yeah, work together. Yeah, and this and this was all about breaking down the gap and unifying them so that they can partner up. You had yeah the the scene in the car on the drive and the sort of confessional and shared trauma and the, then you had her husband telling her he believes she wants to help her. So you had all the groundwork laid for her accepting the help anyway because she can't do this on her own you know i mean that was the other thing she's she's kind of been steering this herself trying to keep it underground but she's getting nowhere she has to start realizing how powerful gene smart is in her own right yeah she has to figure out that it's like this is a person of authority good. and like who she is and yeah. like basically like she has to um like, not that she has to prove herself, but, like, Angela just has to get past that mental hump, like, where she accepts her as someone that's powerful, yeah, and like, someone is, yeah. that she can respect. And this is too big to go rogue. Right. Right. 
you know, which is why she handed over the regalia to, you know, yeah. Looking Glass. Because it's like, I can't manage this She knows this she can't do own. it alone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love the way that Lori talks shit to Angela. It's pretty yes, fantastic. It's just oh, great. it's remarkable. She's always a step ahead. She's just trying to break it down, you know. Yeah. Like, she works quickly. She gets shit done. And she doesn't take bullshit. So Petey comes in with another hit and they all head together to lady true's millennium clock Lori references a thermodynamic miracle which we'll talk about later in the easter eggs she mentions that she went to angela's house and talked to cow we learned that angela's parents died when she was little Lori discusses the origin of masks and trauma which leads to Petey giving a concise rundown of Lori's backstory Petey, go ahead tell her uh what Petey's kind of an expert on me and all the yahoos I used to run around with. Go ahead, tell Sister Knight about my trauma. Really? Absolutely. There are no secrets in this car. Okay. Agent Blake's parents were the comedian and Silk Spectre. They're both in the Minutemen. Minutemen like the TV show? That show is garbage. It's the... the Mm-hmm. It's full of historical inaccuracies. In the real world, the comedian sexually assaulted Silk Spectre back in the 40s. Agent Blake didn't find out till much, much later. He, her dad tried to rape her mom. Wow. I'm so glad we got this time to know each other better. I thought it was interesting that Angela only knows of the Minutemen because of the TV show. So it shows that not everybody is a super nerd like our friend Dale Petey. Right. <laughs> and that some people are, are new to the story of the Watchmen just like you guys, you know? Right. <laughs> so Lori believes that Angela's car was picked up by one of Lady True's six airships. Beyond the little girl who went to the newsstand in episode two. Yeah. Invites the ladies only to a tea in the vivarium. Petey has to wait in the car like a pet. The Millennium Clock is intended to be the first wonder of the new world. There's another callback to the thermodynamic miracle. This is this time Angela uses it. And while they're discussing things about how the car was dropped and Lady True does a great job of feigning lack of knowledge, she speaks to Angela in Vietnamese she says that Will wants to know if Angela has the pills. And then Angela replies, tell that old fucker he can ask me himself. Yes, I, <laughs> I love, love how that scene was delivered. Was phenomenal. Yeah. And Lady True says, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was so well done. Yeah. So well done. Lady True has a gold statue of Adrian Veidt, calls him a truly great man. Still not sure how she really feels about him. Mm-hmm. But Lori says he looks old. And looks like shit. Clearly didn't see the nude scenes we saw. (laughs) I know. She's not on on Walter's wavelength with Jeremy right now. (laughs) And it's a magnificent transition to our favorite little segment every week. Jeremy Irons as Adrian Veidt. (laughs) This time he's fishing fetuses out of a lake. That was freaky. Yo, the way he just tosses them back, like... Oh, this one's no good. It's flash, like... That was just freaky. I yeah, just... especially because it seemed like there was a bunch of little pods in the on the lake, too. It wasn't just, like, that one. No, that, that lake is full of clones. Farming fetuses, yeah. Whatever they are. It felt a little like body snatchers to me. Like, your pods felt 
well, accurate. And it would, the other great thing was they're in these lobster traps. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so are they wild caught or are they farm raised? They feel farmed. They're farmed. This is not like freshwater salmon. It's like salmon. Yeah. I totally. <laughs> they're being farmed. He takes two of them back to a giant microwave and grows them to full size while he listens to a reggae record and has a bite of his anniversary cake. Mace, think about what you just said there. <laughs> this is the best plot. This is an interesting twist, though, on the whole what clone concept, right? Yes, it is. Because in Westworld, they're fully formed. The attempt is to give them consciousness. He's actually, whatever's happening, baking, raising them up from even something maybe more primordial than what we see pulled out of the, the lake. Yeah. Right. Cause they may have had to develop into that form first. True. Yeah. Like where did the fetuses come from? Like that's, that's a great question. Exactly. So, and, and, and Lindelhoff had alluded to the idea that they were more, he didn't feel comfortable calling them clones because they were based on organic matter. I think is the way he described it. Yeah, so it, they probably they probably would have been born out of like an egg sack is what I'm thinking at this point because they're all the same. So yeah, egg bunch of eggs in a lake. They grew to fetus size. I mean, it must be the same whatever True is using, right? Oh, uh, well, maybe, 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 maybe. So he greets the new grown Crookshanks and Phillips. By saying happy birthday. Welcome to the manor. I am your master. You are still a few hours away from gaining the ability to speak. But by now, you should be able to understand. You know what you are. Of course you do. You are flaws in this thoughtless design. For while I may be your master, I am most definitely not your maker. I would never have burdened such pathetic creatures. The gift of life. But to be alive, you have to have purpose, and you have none. Except the serve. Yeah, so he yes. did not make right. them. Mm-hmm. It would have been much better designed if he had. He thinks that it's pathetic <laughs> to use such terrible creatures and subject them to life. See that he has annihilated 20 or so Crookshanks and Phillips. Yeah, he went ham. I had a rough night. That's a funny line. <laughs> That's all he's got. The cake has four candles on it. And then he takes the corpses outside and starts launching them out of the Truman Show sky above him <laughs> on a giant catapult. I couldn't help but laugh at that. <laughs> it was, it was so pretty funny. funny. <laughs> and the way they just, like, disappeared into the air, like, you know, yeah, just how people do in cartoons, like, you know, when yes. they yes. disappear and it's like, bling! <laughs> like, yeah, that's what it felt like. I was waiting for the Acme sign to show up. <laughs> he says, four years, four years since I was sent here. In yes. the beginning, I thought it was a paradise, but it's not. It's a prison. And so we finally have some clarity here. This is a prison. This is not a prison of his own invention. Somebody put him here. It has been four years. Each of the candles is a year. Each of these 
Visions has been a year apart. But the implication was that he didn't know he was going to prison. Yes. Yeah. He he had a deal. He was mm-hmm. being sequestered. And this was the terms of his deal. And it certainly has to be with Lady True. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so the way that she speaks of him, false praise, probably mocking him. The way that he is reacting to his imprisonment seems that she has gotten one over on him here. Yes, mm. exactly. And so he will want his revenge whenever he gets out. Yes. People have been speculating that Dr. Manhattan is somehow involved in this. That's been the thought. Because Lady True has the phones that connect to Dr. Manhattan. But I don't think Dr. Manhattan has anything to do with this. I don't think Dr. Manhattan would create these weird bog fetuses. That doesn't seem like his technology. So something far stranger (laughs) is going on here with that. Do we think he's going to show up at the end of the season? I do. I do absolutely do. I think that if it holds true, it's too big a presence so far. Like my dad said last episode, he disappeared in 2012. So seven years from 2012 is 2019. That leaves Good us time to pop back up three more episodes until he escapes and shows up in Tulsa because that is the center of the universe. Who escapes? Right. He's going to get out. Oh, well, oh I mean, it's, it begs the question as to whether the thing landing at the beginning of the episode was vital. That was also a consideration. Could that be him? It has to be considered because oh, it's symmetrical. She was like, that's right? mine. He was launching. Something was landing. He's got to get in like a ship or something in order Mm -hmm. to create that sort of asteroid effect. And he's just working on a suit right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reservation. But absolutely, that was my thought. But again, though, timelines. Out of sync. We don't know. We just don't know. If that's in the future or the past or when that is. Yeah. But really just sensational. Jeremy Irons is so fed up. (laughs) He's had a really hard couple years here. (laughs) <laughs> and he's just over it. He's he, he will take the next catapult out of this fake whales that he has been trapped in. <laughs> fake whales. <laughs> Angela comes home. Cal is reading Things Fall Apart, which is the source of this episode's title. Angela spoils the ending. She wants to know what went down with Lori. Cal straightforwardly explains the events of the pilot, but he actually lied to Lori and kept her secret. And we learn that Cal has had a mysterious accident, probably in Vietnam, that they don't want Lori to know about. Maybe it has to do with how they met. Maybe it has to do with how her parents died. There's mysteries afloat. It makes me wonder if we'll get a Vietnam flashback episode or something, because this is a limited series and there's only so much opportunity. I'm freaking out that we only have like three episodes left. I want like 900 more. I know. I need 20 episodes at least. Beyond wakes up from a nightmare. She's on an IV drip. That drip. Yeah, suspicious looking shit. Describes her nightmare to Lady True, and it sounds like a flashback to the Vietnam War. She says goodnight to Will, which reveals his presence. Lady True has an elephant-themed tea set to match her hourglass. There's also an elephant painting in the background. Lady True is concerned, not worried, that the pills are passive-aggressive exposition and too cute by half. This is so friggin' meta, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Then Will accuses her of the same thing with Mm Beyond, and so we'll pause here for a second. 
Do we think Beyond is a clone? She's definitely not a regular human. She's yeah, yeah. Very, normal. I think she's, she's been manufactured in the same mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Agreed. Either she manufactured was. or that IV drip is something that keeps her from aging. I think that she is a duplicate of Lady True herself. I could see I that. Could. And I think that her nightmare. She's having her dream. Is the memories that Lady True's childhood. That's how I read that nightmare scene was that she was having Lady True's flashback. It's not even a nightmare. She's imprinting her memories into her. Dion was probably made in the same way that the Clark's baby was made. Right. We know that she has fertility clinics under her empire, so that technology is probably out there. And she has a lake. Don't think that Beyond is a microwaved fetus lake baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably her earliest iteration of this technology. That's what I was going to say, though. Still, that's gross. Right. If she (laughs) gave the Clarks a swamp baby, I feel really bad for the Clarks. A swamp baby. (laughs) They'll never know it was a swamp baby, though. They care. Yeah. It's a swamp in the belly anyway. Look, it's, it's a living organism with their DNA. I don't think they care where it came from. They know it didn't come from them. I'll tell you, Maze, when you see a baby born, it's something else it's like fishing a lobster trap out of a swamp <laughs> <laughs> that's how i've always know, been taught you know maybe i need to read some more books maybe even a little stranger oh, man. <laughs> right ac were you there were you at the front where were you ac well the the best part <laughs> i all i all i could say about that is yeah basically i was acting like i was a quarterback in the shotgun there you go <laughs> yeah. you saw things you didn't know you would see listen man that's an yeah. experience that'll change you man yeah oh yeah <laughs> you don't forget it either no you don't I... <laughs> love it though yeah. Will's passive aggressive exposition here is probably he's trying to let Angela find out via the pills that the pills give him powers or whatever because he's hooded justice. I love this standoff here. She accuses him of cold feet and Will stands the fuck up with his gold freaking <laughs> ass. You can always walk, motherfucker. I played you. <laughs> we never saw that twist coming. I walked across the street. Bought those eggs, walked back, sat down in my wheelchair. Incredible. We knew this reveal was coming, but I'm still soaked on it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was Very a callback. It was a callback for me of the Meister in um, Game of Thrones when he like practices his hunch and his lean to look older and more feeble. You always got to get your opponent on their toes by assuming you have a disadvantage. Yes. And so there are only three days left until Angela will know what Will has done and hate him for it. Mm. Will is all the way in. TikTok. TikTok. As he looks up at the Millennium Clock. What the fuck? So are they working together with the cavalry? And also, three days, is that like over the next three episodes, y'all think? Maybe the cavalry's a misdirect. Hmm. Because if he's saying TikTok... TikTok. Oh, that is a cavalry thing, huh? That was a cavalry. That's right from the first video they showed in the. It's also a Watchmen thing. Oh, TikTok is. Yes, just the clocks. The clocks all over the place. Oh. All of time, yeah, but not in the okay. show. TikTok, TikTok was to us yeah. pulled out of that video, and the only other person to use that phrase was Judd, jokingly. Okay. And now Will's using that phrase and repeating it 
in the same cadence. So it can't be a Tulsa thing. But it is also <laughs> a pretty generic. Yo, TikTok. <laughs> Tick tock. <laughs> He's looking at a giant clock talking about how there's a, a countdown. Yeah, what's up, Angela? Tick tock. Tick tock. Gonna get some tick tock burgers tonight. <laughs> I think that Lady True and Will are against the clan. And then I think that the seventh cavalry is either a pawn of the clan or uh-huh. their own operation here. So I don't I think that they're all kind of against each other. I don't think that Lady True is funding the the cavalry otherwise they might have some better equipment. Okay, speaking of the cavalry, no, but she could be utilizing them for her bigger plan. Oh. Like we have no idea. Yeah. We don't have any idea what who's got a malicious plan and who's got a, you know, we don't even know what the plan is. Who's malevolent and who's, like, who's not? Who's fighting? Yeah, who's fighting for what? Like, yeah, what are we fighting against? Like, I'm not even sure. I guess it's the event that's going to happen in three days. We were meant to think the cavalry was malevolent, but yeah. then we find out Judd's got a hooded robe in his closet, mm. and that there's just so many other forces. We don't even that know work. if the police are good. Yeah, this is a good point. We don't right? know. We, we really don't know much have, of anything. We just believe that Angela's a good, good person. Guy. Right. Sort of, but we've seen them like the police have no regard for civil rights, right? They just right. do what they want, beat people up for information because the pod didn't, you know, the pod simply says he knows more than he's saying, go kick his ass and get it out of him. So we really don't know who the good guys are, if there are any good guys. I think that the vast and insidious conspiracy is that the KKK has wormed its way into government through Joe Keene and is trying to make a run at president. I think that is one Mm -hmm. angle. Mm -hmm. I think the cavalry is a nuisance to them. And so they've been trying to get rid of that and they're at war with the cavalry. But there's also, it's also possible that it's a, a shell organization that they're using to drum up right discontent division the bomb vest guy was a staged social media event for sure staged social media event keen was there he willingly gave himself up he knew that that was coming right and it became a pr thing for his campaign will is against this and he is he's made a deal with lady true to do something so he must have something that he can do for lady true right like he has because they have a deal it might be revealing his identity. We don't know, but they have a deal. And then Jeremy Irons, when he eventually gets out of his fake prison, will have a axe to grind with Lady True. What this event is, though, is the big mystery. I bet it has something to do with this clock, though, which yeah. is more than a clock, we know. But it will keep time after the apocalypse, which has value. Which it might cause. Mm-hmm. Is this apocalypse in the sense of what is the sense of this like apocalypse doesn't it feel like dr manhattan has to show up to stop the apocalypse (laughs) that's what my dad and i've been arguing about lindelof said on the podcast that he thinks he wants that he wants him to come in but that when he does, it's deus es machina, so you have to deploy him wisely. Okay. So there will be one big Manhattan moment, I'm pretty sure, before the end.
they're firmly keeping him off the off the board until then. I don't know if it's clear in this narrative that we've been told, but he did save the world effectively previously, correct? By and then, dropping the giant squid? No, that was Vite. Vite saved the world. Oh. But didn't true or so Dr. Manhattan just ended the Vietnam War. Dr. Manhattan won the Vietnam War for the Americans. Won the Vietnam War. Okay. Then Vite diffuses the Cold War with the giant squid. Right. And that has led us to the world we're in now. Okay. Okay. There doesn't seem to be an apocalyptic threat Mm -hmm. like there was in the graphic novel in this show. Gotcha. It's more just like the simmering tensions politically in America. Right. But okay. This, okay. this thing they're building with these lithium batteries. The cavalry. The cavalry is potentially super dangerous. Well, we don't know if we, they were using the lithium batteries for... We have no idea. ...the explosive vest or for something else. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what that was? Because they didn't clarify what the vest was. They didn't deconstruct oh, yeah. the vest afterward and say, oh, C4. Right, right. <laughs> we didn't get a breakdown of what type of bomb. <laughs> that was a mighty big lithium explosion. Blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of clock batteries in that vest. <laughs> it was interesting, dude. It was an interesting episode because it really, like, the tempo slowed in this episode a lot. And it felt yeah. like, like this was an episode where they were like, we can save some money. Kind of like those Game of Thrones episodes, you know, because they had to save the money for the battle dragons or the uh, big battle, right? Yeah. This felt like one of those episodes where they just tone things down. Yeah, I definitely like budget had that simple, feeling. like do some cool things, but really like develop some characters, introduce some characters, and hold some shit back. Because this really, like, we had three wham bam episodes. Yeah, it didn't feel as sensory overload as the last three. No, it's like kind of hard to even like reckon with from a pacing perspective for like the first half for me. I agree with that. It was a little bit slower, but the Lady True introduction was really well done. Plenty of cool stuff. It was slower, but it wasn't a filler episode either. No, (laughs) not at all. Not at all. It didn't have, no, it didn't. Yeah, no filler vibes. No filler vibes. Not at all. But it was just funny to like have this much slower Yeah, different. Felt right. so feels so different. And we're settling in. There weren't as many deep cuts in the Easter eggs. There weren't there wasn't as much on the PDPedia. What was the necessity of the blueprint? It was <laughs> what did that illuminate? <laughs> Just that it was what you thought it was? It goes hand in hand with the the interrogation of Lori. All I could think was thank God Topher didn't hand her one of those. <laughs> Here, mom, try this. This might relax you. (laughs) So the PDpedia, there's an interrogation of Laurel Jaspizic. We learned that Lori and Dan Dryberg were arrested for killing Timothy McVeigh, who in real life committed the Oklahoma City bombing on... Supposedly. April 19th, 1995. This interrogation is on April 25th, 1995. Once again, Oklahoma is the center of the universe here. We learned that it didn't work out between Lori and Dan because he wanted kids and I wanted guns. Got this obsession with guns from the comedian. We also learned that Merlin Corp is Dan's company, weapon and airship design for state and local law enforcement. So even before he got arrested, Dryberg had a deal with the government to give them 
the Night Owl tech, which explains how widespread it is. And we know that Dryberg loved Sword in the Stone. He named his vehicle Archie after Merlin's owl. They find her locked briefcase, and we learn that Dan made the Excalibur <laughs> as a fuck you for Lori because he knows she's still holding a candle for Dr. Manhattan. Then, at the end of this interrogation, Lori says, Tell Gatsby I know what happened on November 2nd, which appears to be how she leveraged her way into a position at the FBI instead of going to jail. So, nice little backstory and filling in the blanks here with Lori in this in interview. And then, yes, the other piece of, of evidence on the PDpedia is the blueprints for the Excalibur made by Dan Dryberg's company. Lori's special blue guy. Was it necessary, Jake? No, but was it funny? <laughs> yes, I laughed. <laughs> I couldn't dig my way through those materials this week other than the blueprint because it was just one page. Yeah. I, I find it, I don't need it. You don't I need don't, it. I, 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 I like I'll, I'll tell you, I don't need it, me, yeah. But uh, to me, it's like, eh, I, I don't know. I think the show does a good enough job of like yeah. giving you the information that you yeah. need that's essential to understanding the plot. But like yeah. if you want all this extraneous stuff, you feel free to dive into it. But I love I love that it's not like a necessity to like understand it what's going on. Feels like supplemental material, not written by the same authors of the show, if you will. Not that it's bad, but just doesn't rise Quite to like up. Yeah, and it's not integrated. So, I mean, maybe some of this will somehow be, but... The synergy isn't there right now. It's not doing it for me in a big, big way. It's mostly just connective tissue that ties the show yeah. to the graphic novel. Right, uh, exactly. Okay. So it's Which, more for the people that have yes. seen the, gra like read I, the graphic I, novel. I think it feels a bit like kind of apologetic pandering, if you will. Basically amounted to a series of jokes about integrating real life events and then also giving a little bit more factual background on on what happened in between the two timelines yeah i mean the beauty to me of the decision he made was that he's not adapting the graphic novel yes i mean that's all you need to know it's simply in the world which is the norm for comic books right right like you just take the characters take the world populate it with a new idea it's like this is the ongoing thing of the comic book universe in general you can't make an omelet without breaking a couple eggs so it's easter egg time just give me all the bacon and eggs you have wait wait i worry what you just heard was give me a lot of bacon and eggs what i said was give me all the bacon and eggs you have do these eggs let's crack these eggs <laughs> eden how do you like your eggs <laughs> that's a great question right now i do them soft boiled ramen style marinated in a soy uh soy sauce marinade Jeez, send that send that recipe out i will i will <laughs> i'm interested in that yeah that was a fantastic answer jake what about you i'm more of a traditionalist i don't really eat many eggs but my favorite egg is a deviled egg other than that i'll eat scrambled i'm an over medium man myself See, I, I'm a very, I love eggs. I really like them in like almost every preparation. I don't love them poached. I other do than like that. a sunny side up though on a sandwich of any yeah, kind. Yeah, or like a burger. Mm. Eggs everywhere. Yeah. In this show all the time. That's all you can see. 
now is the eggs too. It, it, it's like they're so prominent. So I'm wondering what the big payoffs. Gonna I know. I can't wait to see how the eggs tie into this apocalyptic event. Right. Or if it's just like this weird thing they're Mr. obsessed with and they yeah. don't necessarily resolve. It's just you know? on the side. Yeah. I mean, you know where eggs come from, right? They come from chickens, which takes us back to Hoyt Foods. That's oh, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, we haven't shit. seen the chicken farm. It's been a year of chickens and eggs on this podcast. So it's not just that they recycle actors on HBO. They the try concept. to interweave. Synergy, All these baby. little threads, you know, they're like, we didn't really finish that true detective thread. So well. <laughs> let's see if we can get it into a yeah, Watchmen, <laughs> figure it out. Over. Let's see if Damon can figure that out. This isn't the Watchmen universe. This is the Hoyt Foods universe. <laughs> it's, yeah, totally. That's the big reveal of the last episode. We were in true detective world all along. <laughs> so the Clarks sell eggs. Angela's cleaning up Will's eggs. Angela and Cal are cracking eggs into waffle batter. Beyond's dress has an egg design. Mrs. Clark is reading Fog Dancing by Max Shea, which is a made-up author from the graphic novel. Mm. The Clarks is a reference to Superman, the Kents. The infertile couple gets the baby they've always wanted just as something crashes into their property. Topher as a stuffed animal of Bubastis, Vite's genetically engineered lynx. Lori quotes Dr. Manhattan, who in the graphic novel uses the term thermodynamic miracle to describe events with odds against so astronomical they're effectively impossible. It's also used to describe anybody's birth, especially Lori's birth. Billy Holiday plays while PD breaks down Lori's past, and Billy Holiday was one of Dan Dryberg's favorite singers. He even played it to people that he rescued from a burning building. And you use Hollandaise sauce on eggs. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. oh, shit. This is amazing. <laughs> we have come full circle. Maybe it was actually Billy Hollandaise in this <laughs> alternate Billy Hollandaise, universe. yes. The, the rare recording of Billy Hollandaise. The True logo looks like a Tesla logo. And Lady True's vivarium is similar to Adrian Veidt's vivarium that he has at Karnak, which is his headquarters in Antarctica. Not that many Easter eggs this time around, but they're always there. I think that's it. You guys got anything else? No, I'm just enjoying the ride still. Yeah, I'm really just, especially like in on. this TV landscape of the moment, I'm surprised yeah. more people aren't on board. Yeah, um, me too. Seems like the best show we've gotten in a long time. Definitely. I right definitely out, agree. Right out of the gate. Yeah. It checks all my favorite boxes. Yeah. It's like it's like season two of Westworld had it been really good. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean, though? No, I know. It's like I love that like the world that it's set in, but then yeah. like season two just went off the rails. It's like if only it had just, you know, not. Yeah, like I'm watching because I loved it. And I still want good things to happen, but right. like, this, and I is love the universe. Yeah. this is delivering in a, in a great way. So I'm really disappointed people aren't, aren't tuning in. Yeah. Especially because I'm not like, sure what I they're like watching. Them. That's like, what, what I'm watching? saying. Yo, by the way, I have a funny story. Uh, so Motez, our friend of the show texted me, um, about this episode and I hadn't yet. Cause he texted me on Sunday. I guess he'd watched it like that night. And then I watched it. Or, uh, today or last night and then I texted him and he was like well it wasn't worth the buildup." but Zeke and I were wondering if it was racist if I said the woman in the first scene was you because she's Asian and has a southern accent <laughs> <laughs> I 
I thought that was pretty funny. Was he asking <laughs> permission it. to make that comment before yeah. he made it? Is that what yeah, he was doing? Totally. Like I had this thought in my head. I want to run it by you before he, I He's speak like, it. I wanted to make sure it wasn't offensive. I was like, so not at fun. all. I'll take it. That's so funny. That's going to do so it for we'll, us. We'll this... get Walter. Sorry. Hold on, Maze. <laughs> <laughs> Is Walter coming back next week? Yeah, he he made up some bullshit excuse like he didn't have internet, so he couldn't watch it before today or something. Oh. We even had yet more male nudity, but we had, yeah, full, we we had much more democratic presentation of full frontal. Yeah. Rotating half and half balance. Yeah. Very, very much. <laughs> But they got it in there. Well, we tell Walter we missed him. Yeah, we Look did. Look forward to having him back. But we held it down. We did. I think we, we definitely did a good held job. it down. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the TV Book Club. For my guests, Jake Hoy, Eden Lou, and Anthony Canton third. My dad has been ducking the fact that I was <laughs> right about Will. But he should be back next week. I'm Anthony Mays. See you next time.